0: this year has been to uh, enjoy joy. And I have a couple of funny stories that happened within the past week or week and a half. (laughs) And so I'm going to share them with you because I've been laughing (laughs) when I thought of them. The first thing (laughs) Is that um, the one night on night shift? Um, our facility has in-house phones, and so all you have to do when you want to reach your coworker is you call uh, four digits that's on the front of the phone. Like the two that were on our floor that night was ten eight ten o eight and ten sixteen, and so my coworker was going to be floating the front of the building that night. So. She took the one phone, I had the other. (laughs) And uh, my phone face was kind of smashed up because someone must have dropped it on the floor. (laughs) So, But apparently the phone still worked because we keep using it every day. (laughs) And so uh, at the beginning of my shift, um, she went her way over onto the other uh, wing that she was uh, floating because that floor was busier than my floor was during the night, but during the night, that 12-hour night shift, I ended up needing her about three different times. So I kept calling on the phone, and she didn't answer any of the times, and it kept saying, number busy. Every time that I looked at the phone, and I'm thinking, what on earth? She can't be talking on the phone. It's a work phone. <laughs> it's not a cell phone. It doesn't make sense. And and plus, I'm tired. So by five o'clock in the morning, I just finished doing uh answering three call bells in a row and I thought I'm going to go get her she's supposed to be floating <laughs> <laughs> and she still didn't call or didn't answer when I tried calling again. So I went over to the other floor and I left her know that I I'd been trying to get her and she hadn't answered. She said, "Well, my phone hasn't rung all night." And she said, I, "I'm really sorry." So anyway, she's walking back to the to my floor with me, and then and I said, "I'm going to call these phones in because they mustn't be working right." <laughs> I said so. Anyways, because I'm grumpy. It's five o'clock in the morning. <laughs> (laughs) And I had to do all the work by myself because I couldn't reach her. (laughs) So anyways, turns out, she says, well, let me try one more time. I'll try calling the other phone just to see if they work. Well, sure enough, they worked. So anyways, uh, uh, she says, wait a minute, Shirley. She said, what phone number were you calling all night? And I said, 1016. I said, I was calling 1016. (laughs) So she looks at the phone. She says, Well, I had 1008. 1008 has the perfect little front on it. It hadn't been dropped. (laughs) So she says, so you must have been calling yourself. (laughs) That's why the phone was saying, phone busy. (laughs) Every time I thought of it, since I've just been laughing, I thought, okay, (laughs) here I'm getting a real attitude towards her. I'm calling myself all night. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So (laughs) anyway. So this is what I have to deal with at work. (laughs) (laughs) And at home. Oh, yes. (laughs) I've got another story. (laughs) For after I had done two night shifts in a row. Uh, When I did the first night shift, I went home. And was only able to sleep four hours. So anyways, then the next night shift, uh, I had worked the 12 hours. Come home in the morning. Paul's dressed up, kind of like he is now, um, so that he could uh, go to coffee because it was Friday morning. So he was going to coffee with some friends of his. And I could see that he was just waiting for the time to leave. So we'd been talking in conversation about his... uh, his teacher, his former high school teacher, that, uh, and how much of an effect he had on all his students and the great things he'd gone on to do. And so it turns out I decided to change the subject after that. And uh, I thought, okay, I said, so, uh, so where are you going to meet him now? And anyways, Paul replied, well, I'm not going anywhere till I go to heaven. (laughs) Anyways, I looked at him and I thought, what? (laughs) And then I thought, oh, okay, he's talking about his teacher because apparently his teacher had passed away. (laughs) So anyways, I told him, I said, well, I mean, the guy that usually picks you up to drive you to go have coffee in the mornings uh, with your friends. And anyway,s Paul responded, "Oh, he says, he says, um, I'm driving myself now." He said. <laughs> so I came out and I asked him. I said, "So when were you planning on going to heaven?" <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, not anytime soon. <laughs> and I agreed. I said, uh, well, I hope not. <laughs> so, so these are the kinds of things that we talk about. That's why Paul usually just tells, tells me, Cheryl, sure, go to bed. <laughs> he says, just go to bed. You're tired. <laughs> so... Anyways, yeah, so I've had a whole lot of experience laughing at myself lately. (laughs) It's kind of a lot of fun. So the topic that I wanted to share with you tonight was how to manifest abundance in your life. And uh, I read a book by John Avanzini, and I'll tell you, any time that I ever read or listen to John Avanzini, I just, my faith soars <laughs> all the time. And so anyways, when I was reading this book, I learned a few things. And, and it just put me in uh, memory of different things that I had kind of left slip along the way, you know, because you know them in the back of your mind. But um, it's always good to be reminded of things to do. And so the primary step to manifesting abundance in God's kingdom is to, first of all, make sure to get born again and saved. That is number one. And then the second thing is you need to go to church regularly. You can't just um, backslide and then expect that your faith is going to be at some super high level You know, you need that interaction to to get together and to hang out and to inspire one another onto the good works. And uh, Jesus um, was our example in Luke 4.16. It says, and he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. As his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up for to read. So a new believer needs to belong in a church that will nurture their spiritual growth and mature them. Harvest is not a natural event, and I hadn't really thought about it till John Avanzini had mentioned that in the book, but it's true. Even the farmer, you know, he has to push it out into harvest proportions. Uh, A plant by itself will just kind of flounder, you know, and it could grow, but it won't grow to its maximum potential without man's intervention. So, a human needs to take dominion over the natural rate of increase and push it into dimensions that is called harvest. So, in Mark 4, Jesus speaks of receiving in much greater proportions than just the shape the shaken down and running over that's mentioned in luke six thirty eight now when we turn to luke six twenty seven I want to turn to luke six twenty seven because it puts the scripture into perspective of what jesus was talking about uh in Luke six thirty eight, So we're going to begin at Luke 6, verse 27 to 37. And Jesus said, But if you are willing to listen, I say, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for the happiness of those who curse you. Oh, I'm, liv- I'm reading from the New Living Translation. It says, Pray, pray for those who hurt you. If someone slaps you on the one cheek, turn the other cheek. If someone demands your coat, offer your shirt also. Give what you have to anyone who asks you for it. And when things are taken away from you, don't try to get them back. Do for others as you would like them to do for you. Do you think you deserve credit merely for loving those who love you? Even sinners do that. And if you do good only to those who do good, to you. Is that so wonderful? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, what good is that? Even sinners will lend to their own kind for a full return. Love your enemies, do good to them, lend to them, and don't be concerned that they might not repay. Then your reward from heaven will be very great, and you will truly be acting as children of the Most High, for He is kind to the unthankful and to those who are wicked. You must be compassionate, just as your Father is compassionate. Stop judging others, and you will not be judged. Stop criticizing others, or it will all come back on you. If you forgive others, you will be forgiven." And then verse 38. If you give, you will receive. Your gift will return to you in full measure, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more and running over. Whatever measure you use in giving, large or small, it will be used to measure what is given back to you. So I, I thought that was pretty wild. I've always just thought about Luke 6.38, but I never thought of the preceding verses that Jesus was teaching on, that, you know, you need to be obedient to his, to his teachings to see the return. And then, uh, so you can see there in Luke 6.38 that that's not a harvest scripture. That is just a concept that when you do good to others, God will make sure that you're getting good back into your life. And then Ephesians 6, 8 says, Knowing that whatsoever good thing any man does, the same shall he receive of the Lord, whether he be bond or free. So in Mark 4, Jesus teaches about reaping 30, 60, and 100-fold Uh, harvests on your sowing, or you could say your giving. Harvests of this magnitude would quickly lead to abundance. In Genesis 26, verses 1 to 3, we'll read that just for a minute, Genesis 26, 1 to 3. Now, a severe famine struck the land as had happened before, In Abraham's time, so Isaac moved to Gerar, where Abimelech, king of the Philistines, lived. The Lord appeared to him there and said, Do not go to Egypt. Do as I say, and stay here in this land. If you do, I will be with you and bless you. I will give all this land to you and to your descendants. Just as I solemnly uh, promised Abraham your father, So he's saying there that um, to listen to him and to be obedient to his word, and he would bless him. And then we see the fruits of that later on in Genesis 26, verse 12, uh, where it talks about Isaac's crops. That year, Isaac's crops were tremendous. He harvested a hundred times more grain than he planted, for the Lord blessed him. So when we totally obey God's word wholeheartedly, God will make sure that whatever we're doing, no matter if we make mistakes and uh, and sway a little, um, as long as our heart is Going towards God, and the motive is pure that we want to try and serve God the best that we can, God will make sure that you get the very best return that you can on the things that you do. and uh, I want to let you know to not to be led by what you see around you. <laughs> Because, you know, um, you know, the taxes may keep going up and the groceries keep going up and everything else. But when we tend to serve God and put God's word first in our lives and to give to others and to try and make sure that their needs are met also, then that's going to help so that God can uh, make sure that our needs are met as we look to help others. You know, and you need to dream and to expand your vision of what God would like to have you do in your life and what the calling of God is on your life, you know, and uh, that we don't need to depend on the things around us. They didn't need to depend on on the famine that was all around them in that land. There was famine there, but God still was able to increase him. And God can do the exact same thing for us. So we don't have to depend on our jobs or on pensions or, um, you know, our RSPs or whatever else, you know, money in the mail. You know, God has all kinds of ways that he can get your needs met when you focus on serving him and just loving him. So, uh, in uh, Genesis 31, uh, verses 4 to 13, in the New uh, Living Translation, I was reminded of this story, too. Genesis 31, 4 to 13 says, Jacob called Rachel and Leah out to the field where he was watching the flocks so he could talk things over with them. Your father has turned against me and is not treating me like he used to, he told them. But the God of my father has been with me. You know how hard I have worked for your father. See, he had ethics when he was working and integrity. When he worked, he was working. He wasn't just dawdling around trying to collect a paycheck, he was earning that money that he was working for. And so uh, he says, uh, You know how hard I have worked for your father, but he has tricked me, breaking his wage agreement with me again and again. But God has not allowed him to do me any harm. For if he said the speckled animals were mine, the whole flock began to produce speckled lambs. And when he changed his mind and said I could have the streaked ones, then all the lambs were born streaked. In this way, God has made me wealthy at your father's expense. During the mating season, I had a dream and saw that the male goats mating with the flock were streaked, speckled, and spotted. See, he saw that in his dream. And besides that, in the previous chapter, it says that God gave him the idea to to take the branches and to make them speckled and streaked and and striped and when it when he did that, he put it in front of the animals and they started producing <laughs> those so that he kept getting more and more animals. And so uh, then he says, then in my dream, the angel of God said to me, Jacob, and I replied, yes, I'm listening. And so he heard God's voice and he wanted to obey. The angel said, look, and you will see that only the streaked, speckled and spotted males are are mating with the females of your flock. For I have seen all that label has Laban has done to you, so God sees when you're not getting what you deserve, and He'll make it up to you. He says, "I am the God you met at Bethel, the place where you anointed the pillar of stone and made a vow to serve me." So He, what God, was honoring that vow that He had made to him. You know, so God does not forget. <laughs> us when we're going through troubles and bad times, he is right there with us to take care of us. And I was, and when I saw the verse, for I have seen all that Laban has done to you, the verse, uh, no weapon that is formed against you will prosper, (laughs) just came to me. I thought, oh yeah, (laughs) that's right. You know, God is just looking out. And so as I was reading this passage, it kind of reminded me, because he saw, he saw um, and the animals when they saw the speckled and, and streaked and stuff and the spotted uh, branches, uh, they started producing that. And it was pretty cool because I ended up uh, getting a, uh, an advertisement in the mail and anyways, it was pretty cool. This was back in 1995 that this advertisement had come. And it shows a silver-gray car. And uh, I was looking, because I was thinking about it when I read that, and I thought, oh, my goodness, like... Um, I got so excited when I saw this car come in the mail, <laughs> and anyways, it was personalized right to us. It had Paul's name and and everything uh, tailored just to us, and and so my faith just soared. I of thought we could get a brand new car, <laughs> you know. And so, anyways, uh, that was cool. That was like way back, ages ago, when this came in the mail, and um. Just three years ago, I ended up receiving a debt-free car that was silver gray in color and basically looks the exact same pretty much. So anyways, I thought that was just so awesome, the way that God does that, (laughs) you know. So whenever you are believing for something, make sure to put something there so that you can see it and speak to it because it'll come to pass. (laughs) So... Uh, (laughs) Now, I wanted to share with you about principle and proportion. Whatever you give, God will give back to you. And so uh, what you want to do is you want to plant your seed into good soil so that you can expand your harvest potential to 30, 60, or 100-fold. The harvest proportion always depends on the quality of soil and the amount of human intervention. The second point that Luke 6.38 makes is that the measure of your return will be in proportion to the amount that you gave. A teaspoon of seed will produce a return harvest of teaspoonfuls, and a truckful of seed planted will produce many, many truckfuls of harvest. I wanted to share an example when we were growing up on the farm. I was probably about 10 or 11 11 years old at the time. And uh, the year before, had, I guess, had been a really hard year on the farm and uh, the crops didn't do well at all. So the, that next spring, my stepdad had gone out and bought all the seed that he could afford to buy. And then he went and he ripped up Uh, two fruit trees, an apple tree and a pear tree. That The fruit trees, I don't know when they did the farm, they went and put a fruit tree in the center of each of the fields on the farm. (laughs) And so, anyways, he went and he tore up two of the fruit trees, one apple tree and one pear tree. And my mom had just come out of the house, and she saw that he had ripped it up (laughs) from the roots (laughs) Out so that he could plant more seed there, and anyway, she was livid. (laughs) She was so upset (laughs) with him because she canned those apples and those pears. Uh, We ate them all the time, and so anyways, and he had in mind he was going to rip all the fruit trees out. (laughs) Anyway, she stopped and she said, "No way, (laughs) the two are enough. You're not doing any more." So she got her knickers all in a knot. She was so mad. At him mm-hmm. <laughs> and he was a guy, he was like double first size, so so it was kind of funny to go and see this little 90 pound woman go and, <laughs> and tell this 265 pound guy, rah, rah, rah. <laughs> and he listened to her. <laughs> that was miraculous in yeah. itself. <laughs> so, anyways, it turned out, but it, it kind of made me think of uh, the spiritual aspect of it. Too like there was nothing spiritual about that, but but when um, you plant seed, it's precious seed, <laughs> and that precious seed will a lot of times produce a bummer crop of harvest because it's precious, (laughs) you know? And that's what happened that year when, when um, my stepdad had gotten, Paul, when my stepdad had planted, he he actually tore up the front lawn and the side lawn along the house too. And we had corn stalks. (laughs) You can see the house because of all the corn stalks that year. But um, the next spring, when he uh planted he was able to plant uh seed for uh to put the lawn back in because we had got a really good harvest that year off of all the seed that he had sown so sometimes you've got to take drastic measures to um if things are seem to be going from bad to worse and that then just search your heart and seek God to know what on earth, you need to do what the next step is that you need to do. You might need to take a drastic step and uh, do something that's going to be precious in the sight of God. And you can force that harvest to come. You know, you can push against the darkness that's trying to to stop you from receiving that harvest that you're getting. Yeah. So um, John Avanzini had asked in his book, he said, what does 100-fold mean? And I thought, well, 100-fold means (laughs) 100-fold. That's what I had always taken it to be. But he brought out some really good points. He said, if one apple seed can produce an apple tree, and an apple tree takes like four to five years before it will start producing apples... Then uh, over time, that one apple seed can produce a whole orchard when you think about it. You know, and Pastor Gary spoke about that a number of times, but it's just phenomenal when you think about it that you can just using one simple seed. And then uh, he also mentioned um, that there's. Uh, a cow. When when you think of a farmer, uh, a a cow that is bred to produce ca- uh, calves, the maximum yield that a cow can produce in its lifetime, in its productive years, is just nine to thirteen calves that it could. Produce so that's not a hundred fold. If you look at it that way, there's no way it could produce a hundred calves. But when you take it and look at it, that nine to thirteen calves is the maximum production that one cow can produce. And if she's done nine to thirteen calves. Over her lifetime, like that is phenomenal. <laughs> I, I don't, <laughs> I pity that cow. That cow, <laughs> that's a, almost every year of her life, she's having to produce a calf. You know, so, but, um, you, you see, he was driving home the point that it's the maximum yield that you can get from something. That is a hundredfold return. And so um, <clears throat> when uh, you need to have the right conditions in order to grow a seed, and we're talking about regular seeds again, um, in order to grow a seed, you have to have a seed to plant. And it's good because it said, the Bible says that God provides seed for the sower. And then you have to plant the, soil, the seed into the good soil. And then after that, you have to water the seed. And Jesus said that he's the living water. <laughs> and then uh, seedlings are grown with sunlight, and when I looked it up in the uh, encyclopedia, it said that there's three things that are needed to germinate a seed. There's water, oxygen, and temperature. So the harvest is exponential off of one seed. It contains unknown potential depending on what you decide to do with it, and it's pretty cool because, again, you are the deciding factor, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> will you eat the seed, like sunflower seeds? Will you throw it in the garbage, <laughs> like watermelon seeds? <laughs> or will you plant it? You have the choice of what you're going to do with that seed. And the same with your money. Where are you going to put your money? Are you going to sow your money? Or are you going to eat <laughs> eat the uh, food that you buy with it? So you're going to eat your seed instead of I sow it, you know. So you can see um, just from those two rates of return between the cow and the apple tree that there is different, different harvests that you can get off of things. And he brought out, he said, even if you've sold a house, and you weren't able to get the house price that you wanted. He said, if the housing market is bad, he said, uh, for selling, he said, you look at what other people around in your neighborhood have done. He said, if, if the realty market is sluggish and nobody's able to sell their houses, but yet your house sells, but it sells for less than you wanted, he said, you still could basically have reaped a hundredfold return because you got the best possible yield for the, the surrounding circumstances. He said, so always look to see what, how it's affecting the unsaved in the world because uh, you might still have reaped a hundredfold or the best possible yield. So always stay thankful was what I took away from that, you know. And if you keep yourself in a position to receive the best that God has for you, it'll not take long for you to receive God's promises of blessings and increase. Stay thankful for everything and don't grumble and complain. Be expectant to receive, you know. Excuse me and then another point that he had brought out was uh to um to have a spirit ruled life and he was talking about mark 4 and he um he, like John Avanzini, uh, was saying that when Jesus was speaking of placing the candle on the candlestick, he was telling us the most important step that a person must take to manifest harvest proportion returns on their seed is a uh, bumper crop harvest is available to those who will let their spirit enlighten and control their life. So we need to let the Holy Spirit lead and guide us, basically. And be dominant our spirit man to be dominated by the Holy Spirit. And then uh, in Mark 4, 26 and 27, it says, And Jesus said, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed into the ground and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring up and grow up, and he knows not how. And that's because only God gives life. You know. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to share with you about um, the one time that we reaped a harvest. uh, And it was just after we had received the infilling of the Holy Spirit. And I just wanted to make sure that it wasn't just some church doctrine that We had been being taught, you know, because I thought, okay, well, is this real or is this not God? I I need to know for myself, you know, because I had come from a Baptist background and we never were even taught about the Holy Spirit until we came to this church. So uh, I asked God, I said, I just want you to prove to me that uh, there is power in speaking in tongues and that this is of you and so that was my prayer that day. And so Paul had to go and meet with a car dealer because we were uh, going to buy a car at the, on that day. And so I was praying in the Spirit because we could barely afford anything at all. <laughs> so I was just praying that the guy would approve a loan for us so that we could get a car, <laughs> So I'd been listening to a tape by John Avanzini that whole day while he was gone. And he just made my faith soar. And he was talking about miracle debt cancellation in the kingdom of God. And I thought, wow, <laughs> we need miracle debt cancellation because we needed all the money we could have at that time. So I was praying in the spirit the whole day. And anyways, uh, when Paul came home, he came home about 3.30 in the afternoon, and he was just beaming. He was so excited. He came out and he told me, he said, sure, you'll never believe it. He said, he said my gosh, he said, we were just talking, sitting there talking and that. He said, and then all of a sudden, the guy came out and told me, he says, well, I, he says, I don't know why I'm doing this, he said, but I just feel that I really need to do this. And he said that he took Paul's last six checks that he had written out for him for payments on the car, and he tore the last six checks up for the car. (laughs) And anyways, when I looked in my Bible, because I thought, what on earth? I write everything in my Bible. When God moves in our lives, I am writing it down. So I looked it up in my Bible. That was back in 1995, and we had... (laughs) It just amazes me, $3,500 were torn up in those checks. Like, that'd probably be like 10 grand (laughs) today, (laughs) in today's thing, you know, because $3,500, I'm thinking, that's still a lot of money (laughs) to be torn up in the last six checks. So God definitely proved to me that day that there is power in speaking in tongues and being led by the Holy Spirit. You know? So I want to make sure and share that with you. <laughs> ah. I had I had in God that teary, I, I was just rejoicing when I read it in my Bible. <laughs> Jeez. Um, In Matthew chapter 13, verses 18 to 23, the Bible says here, and if you look it up, if you look up that word here in uh, the Strong's Concordance, it's the uh, Greek word akouo, and it means, one of its meanings means to understand. So I'm going to read this with the, the word understand in it because it just gave me a whole new perspective on what Jesus was saying. Uh, Jesus was saying, hear or understand ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word of the kingdom and understands it not, then comes the wicked one and catches away that which was sown in his heart." This is he which received the seed by the wayside, but he that received the seed into stony places, the same is he that hears the word, and anon immediately with joy receives it, yet he has no root in himself, but endures for a while." For when tribulation or persecution arises for, because of the word, by and by, he is offended. He also that receives seed among the thorns is he that hears the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Um, can someone get me a Kleenex, please? Uh, but he that receives seed into the good ground is he that hears the word, Thank you. (laughs) Thanks so much. Um, He that received the seed into good ground is he that hears the word and understands it, which also bears fruit, and brings forth uh, some 100, some 60, and some 30. And then in Mark 4, verses 24 and 25, it continues. And he, Jesus, said unto them, Take heed what you hear, or understand. With what measure you meet, it shall be measured to you. And unto you that hear, or you could say understand, unto you that understand, shall more be given. For he that has, to him shall be given. And he that has not, from him shall be taken, even that which he has. So... When you read that, you're going, wow. And then it says, he, 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 Jesus continued, So is the kingdom of God, as if a man should cast seed in the ground, and should sleep and rise night and day, and the seed should spring and grow up. He knows not how. For the earth brings forth fruit of herself, first the blade, then the ear, and after that the full corn in the ear. But when the harvest has come, um, immediately... He puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. So recognize when harvest has come and get to work reaping your harvest. I always send the angels out to bring in every available harvest that we are owed, you know, because um, it's just when you reap, you need to... I, well, when you sow, you need to expect to reap your harvest. A farmer doesn't leave his crops rot in the field. There's work to be done. He needs so. sow. What I do is I send forth those angels to bring in the harvest, and they always do. Acknowledge the concept that your ability to receive will increase as your understanding of God's word increases. This applies throughout the Bible, so, understanding is necessary in order to receive salvation, deliverance, anything, healing, you know, anything in life that you need. Um, you need to understand the scriptures so that faith can come and you can uh, receive. John 3.2 also confirms this. It says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you may prosper and be in health, even as your soul, your mind, will, and emotion prospers. So, uh, I wanted to... um, I'm going to talk about the three stages of growth that Jesus talked about in Mark's four verses 26 to 28. There's the blade after the seed is sown. It is out of the planter's control. This requires faith that it is taking root and that it is going to poke up through the ground. You can't see anything happening. So it t- requires faith that uh, the faith that the seed will grow. patience is required, and it's a time of hope. Do not consume the blade or sprout that pokes up out of the ground so uh in the, the natural realm, don't eat your seed <laughs> as soon as it comes out, up out of the ground, you know, um, and don't spend it. Don't spend that little bit of money that you got back uh, on your return. Don't uh, take it and go out and and buy McDonald's do something with it, you know, uh, t- take it and plant it again, and you'll get more and more, <laughs> you know, it'll become a perpetual harvest then. So, uh, let's see. Uh, and then... Uh, Let's see, Mark 4, 28, then the ear. So this is stock time that Jesus was talking about. Now, this takes the longest period for the, the stock to grow. you think of a corn stock? It's a long time. It takes the whole summer for it to grow up tall. And a lot of times, by the time that the ears are ready to, to harvest for the corn Um, it looks like the plant is starting to die. And a lot of times when you plant seed into um, someone's ministry or you plant seed somewhere, it'll look like you haven't gained anything by doing it. And a lot of times you'll plant here and there and everywhere. And then nothing's happening you can't see anything happening but that's that period of growth where that seed is taking root you know and that's where faith is needed hope and faith is needed to um to get you through to the harvest and then besides that uh you'll see the people around you they'll they'll seem to be prospering in that and it'll be like well Where's that car you've been planting for? <laughs> you keep saying that you've got a car that's coming. Where's that car <laughs> and that you know, and uh other people are going out and they're getting their new cars and that with their loans and stuff, and you're still waiting and waiting <laughs> and that and it made look like nothing's happening but then one day, it's just suddenly, and God blesses you, you know, with the harvest. So, you know, a lot of times you need to learn to doubt your doubts. <laughs> Is that just like Jesse Duplantis said, <laughs> you know, so, um, and when you plant your seed, uh, and when the farmer plants, the seed. He doesn't know how his seed is growing. That's God's part uh, in order to grow that seed in the ground because it's hidden and you can't see what's happening. And in First Corinthians uh, 3, verse 6, Paul states, I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase, you know? And then in Proverbs 3, 9, it says, honor the Lord with your substance. And with the first fruits or the tithe of all your increase, so shall your barns be filled with plenty, and your presses shall burst forth with new wine. And so um when you're thinking about a seed that's planted, you need to make sure that it's growing upwards. In Second Chronicles twenty six verse five, Uh, It says, and he sought God in the days of Zechariah, who had understanding in the visions of God. And as long as he sought the Lord, God made him to prosper. So you look upward (laughs) while you don't see anything happening and people are kind of laughing and joking around that you're giving your money away. Well, you know, the harvest... um, the harvest is expensive, like uh, the when you're sowing seed into ministries and into the gospel going forth throughout all the earth, there's costs involved and you're you're paying for special speakers to come in and there's hotels and uh, there's the airplane tickets and stuff. It's expensive to sow into the kingdom of God but God reaps many, many souls into his kingdom by people planting in that. And by people seeing your faith when you plant into God's kingdom, then they see it when you get your harvest because you're like us. You're you're sounding with a (laughs) bullhorn. I got my harvest, you know. (laughs) You need to proclaim it from the rooftops, (laughs) you know. And so... um, In Mark 4, verse 30 to 32, Jesus was speaking, and he said, Whereunto shall we liken the kingdom of God? Or with what comparison shall we compare it? It is like the grain of mustard seed, which when it is sown in the earth, is less than all the seeds that be in the earth. But when it's sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out great branches so that the fowls of the air may lodge under the shadow of it. It offers protection and shelter to the birds, too. The whole purpose of our giving is to expand God's kingdom, to send the gospel forth into all the earth so that people can come to salvation. And as we prosper, we can bless others and help them to meet their needs and desires and to show God's goodness and His mercy. And I just wanted to let you know that distractions bring disaster. So don't stop tithing or giving. If you end up, if you're sewing to get a new job, and you get a, your dream job, and it's wonderful, but all of a sudden, oh, well, you can't go to church because it, you, your schedule has that. You have to work on those Sundays or that. Well, the thing is, you still make time for God, if you have to work that Sunday, you make sure and you catch up on that. There's YouTube, there's all kinds of media now. (laughs) You keep God's first place in your life, no matter what. And so uh, don't be distracted by a good business opportunity or a job, you know, and um, just make sure that you Keep yourself involved with the church and with family members from the church so that way then you can grow and you can encourage one another in your walk of faith. And so I wanted to just let you know that God is the God of miracles. <laughs> and Bill Winston was saying that he doesn't think that miracles are taught enough. He said, he said people don't, hear about miracles and so a lot of times their faith isn't built up that god can do miraculous things in their lives so i want to let you know that god is still in the business of miracles glory to god <laughs> amen so if you want prayer for anything uh, you can come up for prayer and uh, if not um, I'd like to just actually pray over you as the congregation right now. Father, in Jesus' name, I just thank you so very much for this family at New Covenant Ministries and viewers that are viewing from live stream. I thank you, Father, that you are a God that is impartial, that you say that we are accepted in the beloved and that you are willing to just uh, love us and accept us where we are, and that as we uh, turn to you to seek you out first in our lives, that you'll, you'll be there for us, and you'll um, lead and guide us by your Holy Spirit so that we can uh, sow more and more into your kingdom, and that your kingdom can come on this earth as it is in heaven. So we give you praise, honor, and glory for the 30, 60, and 100-fold blessing over each and every person that gives into the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca.